Welcome everyone to tonight's E and E training. This is the final training in our spring discipleship series on a Thursday night. So for those of you who, this is your first E and E training, my name is Ali Carr, and I'm the Director of Special Projects at International Commission. I've had the privilege of serving at IC for just over three years now, and not only do I host these equipping and enabling trainings, I also help with our marketing, events, our fundraisers, our social media. So if you have any questions or even suggestions of things that you'd like to learn on the trainings, feel free to contact me anytime at allison.carr at ic-world.org. For those of you who are new to the e, e trainings or even to International Commission, maybe someone invited you here to join us tonight. This is our mission. International Commission exists to equip and enable believers worldwide to conduct church-based evangelism projects so that we can reach unbelievers and make disciples. So everything is filtered through this mission and vision of desiring to equip and enable believers to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's what the E&E &E stands for in E&E &E training is this equipping and enabling. So you are here tonight to become equipped and enabled. In addition to our E&E &E trainings that we have on select Wednesday afternoons and Thursday nights. We also have an E&E &E show. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Just type in International Commission on YouTube. Um, we also have a free Storytelling with Purpose Evangelism Toolkit. So what this is, it is a free resource on our website, and we made this for you. This is for believers of all ages and stages of life, regardless of whether you are a brand new Christian or a pastor or somewhere in between. We have lots of um, PDF guides and videos just to help you learn different ways to share your testimony and share the gospel. And we believe that there's not one perfect right way to share the gospel. The most important thing is that you just do something, but a lot of people don't even know how to start that conversation. So that's what this toolkit is for. Um, again, it's on our website, internationalcommission.org. Click on resources and you can download that and you'll see lots of videos and guides just to help you transition simple conversations into spiritual conversations. If you want to watch any of our past e, e trainings, you can find those on vimeo.com. We have trainings on fundraising, um, how to overcome the biggest fears when it comes to evangelism, how to share the gospel with Muslims, Mormons, and more, so much more. We've been doing these trainings for almost two years now. So if you're interested, go to Vimeo and you can check out the past trainings. But last but not least, we have a book. You can get our book on Amazon. It's less than $10. So if you like hearing good stories from the mission field of how God's working in miraculous ways and just testimonies from all different types of people, then you can pick up a copy of Global God, A Journey with God on the Great Commission. So as I said before, this is the end of our spring discipleship series. And we are here as disciples ourselves to teach other disciples who are you, who are from many different walks of life and even countries from around the world, we wanna teach you to obey what God has commanded. So throughout this series, we are taking different commands in scripture to teach, AKA equip and enable you to obey so that you in turn can teach others. So we're just gonna answer a few questions here before we get started. What is a disciple? Who is a disciple and what do disciples do? Well, it's very simple. A disciple is simply a follower or student. It's someone that learns from a teacher. So as disciples here, we are going to learn from someone who has gone before us and who has knowledge of the scriptures in an area that um, I don't know about you, but I simply don't have a lot of knowledge in this area or maybe even how to apply it to my life when it comes to anxiety and how to minister to other people who struggle with this particular um just struggle in their life. So you're going to be learning from a teacher tonight. And who is a disciple? A disciple is a Christian. That's you. And then what do disciples do? They learn from their teacher. So Jesus gave us the great commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He told this to his disciples. And then he's really telling it to us as well. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And then Jesus gave us a promise. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So Jesus is not telling us to go and make disciples and, and he's just leaving us on our own. No, he said, I am with you to the very end of the age. So that should be very reassuring to you as you read the scriptures, as you pray, as you fellowship with other believers and grow to follow and obey God. He is with you always. He will encourage and strengthen you. So you shouldn't have to fear or be anxious. And then finally, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, it says, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So you are reliable men and women, and we are going to equip you to teach others on this topic as you learn yourself. So I'm very happy to introduce you to tonight's special guest and presenter. We have Ellen Dean with us this evening. Ellen is a licensed professional counselor and supervisor, a licensed marriage and family therapist and supervisor, and she has four biblical counseling certifications. Until she recently retired, Ellen had a private counseling practice in Richardson, Texas for many, many years, and you can find out more about her biblical counseling and ministries at bcandm.org. And Ellen has been married to Dr. Bob Dean since 1974. He has been in ministry during their whole marriage in a church in Dallas and Garland, Texas. <laughs> I know a lot of you are joining from different states and different cities in the U.S., but International Commission is headquartered in Dallas, Texas area as well. But Ellen's husband was the pastor of North Lake Baptist Church in Garland for 28 years, and then he was the executive director of the Dallas Baptist Association for many, many years until he retired. And Ellen and her husband together have two grown married children and a grandson. And Ellen is the author of Marriage Trust Builders, which is a practical and biblical guide for strengthening and restoring trust in marriage. She also wrote Communication Connection, which is to enrich the communication in marriages and families. So welcome, Ellen. Thank you so much for being with us this evening and just sharing a plethora of your professional and personal experience when it comes to anxiety and fear. And I know that you can probably agree with me in saying that there's been seemingly more anxiety and fear in our culture over the past couple of years than maybe there has been in, in any of our lifetimes. That's right, Allie. Thank you so much for inviting me to share tonight. You know, it's always a privilege to speak um, about people's uh, needs, desires, situations, and also about God's word. So what a privilege it is. So um, yes, this topic about anxiety is really something that's so important. You know, the title that Allie gave me was Anxious for Nothing, question mark. And that reads a lot of different ways. You know, anxious for nothing, really? Like we can be anxious for nothing? And the truth of it is, yes, with God's help, he helps us overcome anxiousness so that it's not debilitating. Anxiety is a very common thing in our culture. And just like Allie said, in the last two years, we counselors uh, see exponential cases regarding anxiety and um, within families and just layers and layers of anxiety in relationships. So it's really very important. There are lots and lots of things in life that cause uncertainty. And sometimes they cause fear and worry and even anxiousness. Um, anxiousness is an interesting definition because of the way we use it. It means different things to different people. But in our world today, there are lots of difficult, changing circumstances that are happening. And in the last two years, we have seen huge things, just, just domino effect one on each other. When we talk about our country, the whole wide world, it seems to be in turmoil, and especially very difficult areas like Ukraine that we're all mindful of and praying for and, and really seeking God's um, God's will and his manifestation and his glory and all of that. And also even just uh, finances. You know, we look at our own country and we thought we had financial stability and all this and it doesn't seem stable. And that kind of rocks our world and perhaps jobs, relationships within the context of our family. Maybe there are, we have members of our family who are, who, are, who are hurting or suffering. And so we feel deeply with them. And um, sometimes it's just the responsibilities that life is a heavy load and the needs that we are trying to meet in other people's lives. It is a part of our humanity 
that we feel fearful sometimes. We feel unsettled and we always feel pretty much um, kind of off our game or off balance at the very beginning of situations that we cannot control and we do not know the outcome. So this is significant because um, in these situations, we have to look, look to God and to trust him. And, and lately, even in the last two years with COVID and just absolutely new situations in our world <clears throat> that we're having to deal with is, is growing our faith, I'm hoping, and developing our, our fortitude based in Christ and also strengthening our witness as we share with other people. So as we talk about anxiety and anxiousness, let's just look at kind of a definition. Anxiety, when we talk about anxiety medically, it's a very broad description and it's a very big umbrella. It's probably overlabeled and possibly often misused. It's probably one of the most uh, prescribed for uh, situations that anyone faces. So the, the number of people who are um, choosing pharmaceuticals to handle their anxiety is more than we've ever, ever, ever seen. And I wanna say this one thing too, medications have their place. Yes, oh my goodness, they are very helpful with many situations, but I think our culture is too quick to just simply say, I need a pill, or I need something with my anxiety. Uh, they might, but maybe first of all, there are some tools they can use in other ways to help them and help others. Uh, the term, if, if you might have heard of GAD, GAD, Generalized Anxiety Disorder, this is usually what is prescribed when there is a pervasive anxiety in people's lives. And, and just living life becomes pretty anxious, even fearful, even um, immobilizing, where they're just locked down and they're not able to do this. So this would be anxiety that is pervasive in most areas of a person's life and causes one to be hindered in living life normally and functionally. This is called GAD or generalized anxiety disorder. When we see this, we need to be providing a lot of tools so that they can begin implementing them in different areas of life. Then circumstantial anxiousness is different. This is the experiencing, which is our normal human first response when emotions come following some kind of event or circumstance that is very disruptive. It can be all of a sudden, it can be um, kind of a domino effect. Um, it can be several circumstances happening all at once, but it's just when there is such a fear of what's going to happen. Generalized anxiety disorder has a lot to do with my own abilities. Can I do this? Can I walk? Can I drive? Can I do this or that? where circumstantial anxiety has a lot more to do with events or circumstances that happen in my life and um, the peripheral aspects. So when something happens, there are also peripheral aspects that impact that, that we have to give a care to. If we don't provide the right kind of care or the awareness of this anxiety, it begins to kind of take over in our life and it becomes very, um, very, very widespread. It seems really intrusive in our in the way we're not performing like we want to. And it also becomes cumulative. It starts building up in a, heart, in a person's heart if they begin to give way to anxiousness and anxiety. So we have to be aware of this and know how to, how to um, take care of it in a very timely way. Uh, one thing we need to do is that unchecked anxiety produces stress. And stress often produces irritability conflict in relationships, and inability to do the responsibilities given to us or to complete tasks. <clears throat> we might see someone emotionally shutting down. They're less verbal. They can't put their thoughts and feelings into words. They, um, they lose sleep. They, they're not hungry anymore. They realize um, I'm not eating as much. I'm kind of dropping weight accidentally. And then they begin to isolate. And this is real concerning. We need to always be aware of this because in extreme cases, it leads to depression. It can lead to depression, hopelessness, self-condemnation, which I want us to talk about in a minute, or even despair. Uh, it can also deteriorate our spiritual walk and cause a loss of faith. 
I just want to say that our world is can be a scary place. And when you then realize that there's also spiritual warfare going on to attack us, there really, there really is a real Satan and his minions. So there really is this spiritual warfare that we have to be aware of. And we, we need to be looking at people's symptoms and signals and, and just kind of um, really mindful of that. Um, and when we, when we begin to identify fears, <clears throat> and let, we'll talk some more, but there's, um, anyway, there are lots and lots of different causes of fearfulness. You could probably name a dozen yourself. If I were to say, what are some causes of fear in your life or in somebody else's life, you could come up with them very easily. <clears throat> and it's important to be able to identify the right cause or causes of fear or anxiousness and seek appropriate, specific remedies for each. Often they can be multifaceted. It's not just that we uh, have kind of a, a one fix all. Yes, God's word is truth and we're gonna be applying it in a lot of different ways. But with different sources of anxiety, we might come at it in different angles from God's word or looking at different, what the, what the root cause is and then what the solution might be. For instance, if someone was uh, had job uncertainty <clears throat> and they're coming to us and they're very concerned about that, how would we address that in their lives? Or what if they have relationship conflict and they're in turmoil about that, how are we going to address that? Or what if they have a family member who's very, very ill and they're anxious about that? Well, I wouldn't say the same thing to all of them. I would look at each need and the root of it and how God's word applies. And that's something I wanna help you do uh, tonight as we talk together. It's really important to realize that fear and faith does not coexist. You know, over and over and over in the Bible, when it says, do not be afraid, then it follows it up by saying, have faith. Do not be afraid, have faith. Do not be afraid, have faith. And we see that in God's word over and over and over. Um, and sometimes we just have to know how to, how do I make that choice? How do I identify my feelings, recognize them, and how do I change to choose faith rather than choosing fear. And it is not easy. We have to kind of train ourselves spiritually and we have to be aware of our emotions and we have to be honest and open to, to identify hurts and needs that we have in our life. But it is really based on beginning to understand God's promises and to trust them when we don't see them working and to trust them when we don't really have a hand to hold on to and we don't have a, a specific uh, way to see it or make the change, but God helps us with all of that. But faith is not based on our, our personal understanding or abilities. It's not me mustering up faith or me trying really hard. It is me choosing to trust God and to allow his power to strengthen me. And it, it is believing in God more than I'm afraid of the circumstance that I face. <clears throat> And faith is really bigger than any of us. Faith is really that ability to move from a very earthly aspect to a very spiritual uh, solution. And it is actually making that commitment more and more and more. So the Bible says that we are to live by faith. You know, in the Bible, I mean, it says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. In the New Testament and the Old Testament, Many, many times. I've never counted. It has been said by some people that, that God promised, God has promises about not to fear, but to have faith 365 times in the Bible. Meaning there might be one for every single day of the year. And that that's, could happen. But also the truth is that there are probably many, many more than that. And God, this just shows that God knows that we are afraid. And he knows that's our tendency. And so right away, he gives us the help we need. And the Bible, you know, when even when we look at, you know, living by faith, we have to ask ourselves, uh, am I doing that? In my life, how often am I actually making that willful decision to trust in God? Can I tell I'm doing that? Can I feel the difference? Can I feel God's strength? So we need to kind of be checking ourselves on that and be relinquishing 
our concerns to God. We're going to talk about how to do that more specifically in just a minute. But the biblical sources of help are profound. God gives us everything we need. Uh, and by the way, in all of these things, God doesn't always change our circumstances exactly the way we want him to, or the way we think, or in the timing that we would desire, or in the method that we would hope to see, because God is sovereign, and he's all-knowing, and he loves us, and he has a plan for our life, and we need to trust in who God is, his very characteristics, his attributes, and to trust him in that way. So he gives us hope, truth strength, his guidance, new comfort, immense wisdom, his grace, the ability to forgive others, to experience his forgiveness in our life, and he promises his very presence with us. He abides in us. So when we are experiencing human emotions of fear or anxiety, they're very understandable, and everybody feels them at some time, but we don't want to give in to that. We don't want to let that be kind of driving our life. So we need to be mindful to make a conscious spiritual decision to reach out to God. He never forces himself on us or his resources. He beckons us. He invites us. He provides for us. But he asks us to take that step of faith. And, you know, really and truly, that, that in itself is a faith step. So that's really, really important. You know, Jesus said that he wanted to see our life of faith. He praised people of faith. He praised a blind man who had faith. He praised a woman who had faith. He, he praised them for their willingness to trust in him when it didn't seem even possible. Uh, he healed people because of their faith. Uh, lots, there are many stories in the Bible about people who, who responded in faith, and God affirmed that over and over. And God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Now think about that for just a second. That God gives us a spirit. It's not a fearfulness. The world gives us a spirit of fearfulness. Our humanity gives us a spirit of fearfulness. But God replaces that with the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And as we look at this more closely, we're going to see that a spirit of power is the ability to trust in God. The spirit of love is actually taking the focus off ourselves and acting in love towards others. And it's also of self-discipline, that we are training ourselves spiritually to rely on God's help and his strength. It is to replace fear with trust. Over and over, when, um, when, when we replace fear with trust, it's because when this is, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. You know, isn't that interesting? The Bible doesn't say, if I'm afraid. It says when. So it acknowledges that we will all be afraid. And I confess to you, there are times I'm afraid. And, and normally it just starts coming. We hardly do a check on it. The, the emotions kind of well up within us. We need to be able to recognize it early and be willing to shift that focus right away as soon as we can to begin trusting in God. So this is a will for choice. When I am afraid, I will trust in God. I will trust in him. God promises peace as we trust him. Isn't that wonderful that our Lord and Savior loves us so much that he promises that he will give us peace. Peace in a broken um, world that is not experiencing peace. Peace in circumstances that are not peaceful at all. They're very tumultuous. They're very conflicted. They're very fearful. But God says, you will keep him. God will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is steadfastly trusting in God. He will do that. And you know what? When we can just begin, not just reading this like we do, you know, sometimes we read through a verse and go, that's nice. But if we can begin pausing and saying, this verse was for me. This verse, verse is to give me something so powerful, such a precious, priceless gift that God gives me because he loves me, and we can receive this peace more and more. When he, when he says, it's, you know, when we're afraid, God gives us other choices to do. It's interesting 
the things that he wants us to do, the instructions that he give us, gives us usually goes counterintuitive to my human nature and even to what I would think is logical. But God's way is higher and better and different. So in Philippians 4, 4 through 6, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Isn't that interesting? Paul was writing this after he'd been in prison, maybe after he'd been recently flogged. And he's saying, hey, please write this down for me. Tell him to rejoice. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now, rejoice does not mean be happy. It means choose joy. Choose joy. And why can we even have joy? Is it because the circumstances provide joy? No. It's because Christ in us, as one of the fruits of the Spirit, is that Christ in us provides joy. And Paul was saying, tell him to rejoice. Tell him to choose joy. And isn't this interesting? Let your gentleness be evident to all. When we are anxious or fearful, is that usually when we're most gentle? Not usually. You know, we, we're usually irritable or we're usually um, frustrated or on edge. But Paul says, led by God's spirit, let your gentleness be evident to all. And then a profound promise, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. That is the biggest kind of promise that we can ever know. The Lord is near. He loves you. He is with you. He knows. He's protecting you. He's your defender. He's your warrior. He's your, he gives you strength. So we have to come back over and over and just say, by affirmation, God, you are near. You are near. You're with me. And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. And that was how Ali got the title, Anxious About Nothing. And I appreciate her title. But the replacement is, instead of being anxious, here's the replacement in everything by prayer and petition, by prayer, the relinquishing, the yielding, the surrendering our hearts, and by petition, by giving our request. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is written not when we can hardly even remember things to be thankful for, and it's not written when we can feel calm and peaceful. It's written at a time when we are in absolute turmoil and strife, and God says, I'm near, pray, don't worry, remember what I've done for you, and tell me what you need. And God just asks us to do that. When we begin that process, God powerfully, powerfully provides us the peace that we need. You know, when we think about uh, Philippians 4a, this is the verse we quote a lot. It's the verse that's right following, right in the very same context of don't be afraid, pray. Isn't this interesting? Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Shift your focus. Look at what's good. Choose to, choose to recognize God's faithfulness. Choose to recognize uh, his, his provisions. Choose to remember what he's done in the past for us. Remember these things and turn our hearts towards the very positive things that he wants to show us. And then this one, the strength comes from God, Philippians 4.13. This is probably a verse that you've learned since you were a child. I can remember teaching this to our children when they were very, very young and learning it. I, I was, I mean, I cannot remember not knowing this verse. I learned it when I was very young. And it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Does that mean that I can do everything in all the world that I might want to do? No, of course not. It means that I can do everything that God's called me to do, every responsibility that he has for me. He will empower me and equip me to do that very thing. And I can trust in him. Um, yes, this, this power really calls us to do the things that Christ leads us to do. And not to be afraid. And that he will equip us and, and provide the way. And, um, you know, do you remember when sometimes you go to a bookstore or a Christian store and you see beautiful pictures of a physician or a surgeon or a firefighter. And there's Jesus standing behind them. Think about this, when you have a task to do and you feel anxious and you just remember that Jesus is right there with you. 
in you and strengthening you. And he will guide you. And this verse in Philippians 4.19, same passage. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a promise. That's huge. Does he meet our needs according to our needs? No. He meets our needs according to his riches. My goodness. What a reminder of his omnipotence and his awesome power and his love for us. This verse about giving anxiety to God is an interesting thing because it actually gives us a very clear strategy and it tells us why it's so vitally important. This verse says, humble yourselves, therefore, into God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know what the truth of it is? This paints such a contrast. It says that we begin by humbling ourselves, taking down the pride, taking down our defenses, taking down our dependence and our strength, and we trust God. We give him our concern. This is the handoff. It's always prayer. It's not thinking about God. It's always praying to God. It's saying, God, here's my anxiety. Here's my concern. Here's my fear. Here it is, God. Here it is. Here it is. The handoff only occurs when I'm praying to God in conversation with him. But look, it says, as he loves us, he is there to meet our needs, to take our loads. And then it says to be aware, to be controlled, self-controlled, because your enemy who hates you prowls around like a roaring lion. This is like the contrast of God's precious love for us versus Satan who literally hates us and wants our demise. And we need to realize that, you know what? God is there to help us. And remember the prayer is the conversation that hands it off. Okay. Um, the next one is uh, peace from God. Real peace, genuine peace comes from God. God gives it that in lots of ways. And it's not like the world gives it but it's very unique, it's very powerful, it's very strong in our life. And when he says, I give you peace and I will leave it with you, not as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. Do you know what, God isn't, isn't um, kidding about that. That is so real in our life. You will begin to see peace and the people that you share this with will begin to see peace in an absolutely awesome way when they trust in a God who is, way beyond what this world does. Not to find worldly solutions, but to trust in God and all that he does for us. In this next passage, when he says, um, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Do you know what, think about this. Before God even told them about his peace, he warned them. Well, first of all, before he, he kind of, I got that backwards. Before he tells him about what's coming, he says, I want to give you a promise. I'm telling you this so you'll have my peace. Please know you're going to have my peace. You're going to face trouble. But don't be afraid. Take heart. Be courageous. I've overcome the world. So he was even promising his peace before he warned us of what would be coming. You know, God is our light. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? As believers, we are in a lost world. And do you know what? Many times uh, we face that opposition even more. And we're going to, I believe, more and more in this world as believers. And we need to be prepared for it. But do you know what the truth of it is? There are lots of people in this world who hate us. And Jesus said, they actually hate me in you. So as we face opposition, it's because we are standing for Jesus Christ and they hate us. We see that in happening in our world over and over with believers being persecuted in our culture and with people being uh, accused of things and blamed of things and misunderstood because, because they're attacking the godliness and Jesus Christ in their life. So we all need to be prepared for that. And when we realize that that's happening, we can go back to know that God's our, God's our source of peace. He's with us. He's got this. And he's going to be helping, helping us in every single way. He's our refuge and our strength and every present help. He never leaves us. He never leaves us alone. And he never leaves us on our own. He's always with us. And he's always 
helping us. This next verse is very important in 2 Corinthians. It says that we, we have to control our thoughts. Let's look at this for just a second. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, the weapons we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, this is a military metaphor. It's very powerful. Back in Paul's day when he wrote this, the military was the strongest organization. Guess what today is? The military. It's the, it's the, it's the organization of strength and fighting the enemy. So think about when Paul says, he uses a military metaphor, and we have to ask ourselves, why did he do that in such a strong way? And he says, we live in this world, but we're not waging the war like the world does. Uh, it's we in the world, but we're not of the world. And the weapons we found with are not the weapons of the world. So the truth of it is we have to engage in a battle, this spiritual warfare, and we will be given weapons, but they're not what the world has. Instead, the weapons God gives us have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, we can see weapons, uh, strongholds, uh, captives, all these metaphor words, metaphoric words that show military. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now think about that. What did Jesus call Satan? The great pretender, the counterfeit, the liar. Satan sets himself up in pretension against the knowledge of God, what we know about God. He pretends to be something very different than he is. But when we begin to see that and knowing that, it says we take these things captive, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Let me say one thing. That in 2 Corinthians 10, there's four different steps to take that are very, very important. Number one, when I need to take a thought captive, I have to identify what is the thought. What is the thought? That's number one. Number two, where did it come from? Did it come from my heart? Did it come from Satan, his enticement in my heart? Did it come from the world who influenced me? Or did it come from God? I have to determine that. What was the thought? Where did it come from? Number three, take it captive. I'm not going to think that. And number four, replace it in obedience to God. That's always prayer again as I'm changing my thoughts to replace it with what God wants me to believe and wants me to be thinking. Okay, when you are anxious or fearful, you have to remember that you have to take care of yourself when you're fearful. Number one, recognize the signs, recognize the conditions. Be aware of them. Ask yourself, am I getting adequate rest? If we are not rested, we're very vulnerable to being afraid and to feeling nervous about things and, and just unsettled. So try to get enough rest. Number two, am I taking care of myself nutritionally? Have I, do I, am I forgetting to eat? Am I too busy? Am I eating healthily? Because that's very important. And we need to exercise appropriately to lower stress. Now, let me say this, don't over, don't over exercise when you're going through a stressful time because every cell in your body is, is fighting to help you overcome that stress. So just exercise moderately brisk walks, things like that, when you're going through stress. Not a lot of weightlifting, not a lot of stuff like that, usually, because injuries can happen at that time and because you're just needing to just really be replenished. Shift the focus off yourself to caring for others. Um, you know, Satan always pulls us inward and then on our circumstances, and then he isolates us. But God pulls us upward to him, love God with all your heart, and outward to others. So sometimes if you're struggling, ask yourself, how can I get the focus off my feelings and concerns? How can I help someone else? How can I be a blessing or encouragement to someone else? Listen to uplifting music. Take time to just let that music really help you. Music is so therapeutic. Talk to a friend or a counselor. There are people out there, your friend, your minister, your neighbor, your counselor. Uh, go to those people as you, as you need to because they love you and they will help you. Do a self-check. Am I praying? Am I trusting God? Am I just thinking about God or thinking about my, my fearfulness or my, fear, my source of fear? Or am I really trusting God and believing in him? 
and what he will do. And then, y'all you know, you probably know Keith and Kristen Getty. They've given so many songs to our generation to really, really help. I just want us to walk through this song together and I'm just gonna read it, but I'd like for you to read it in your heart because this is a powerful song about God's message to us when we're afraid. When I fear that my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, his, his will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. I could never keep the, my hold through life's fate, fearful path for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Those who he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. For my life he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight when he comes at last. God wants us to trust him and to know that he will hold us fast. We need to be aware of helping others when they are fearful. And when you are serving in different ways, you're going to be needing to do that. Number one, be aware of indicators in your friend's life or family members. You kind of know what to look like, look for. So watch for those indicators and maybe, maybe help them be able to say, I'm wondering if you're feeling a little bit overstressed. Be available as a listener. Um, that sometimes that's just the most important service we can give. If, it feel, if you feel like they need to meet with a counselor or a minister, encourage that. But suggest the help and advice that we talked about, appropriate eating, sleeping, exercise, Encourage them to talk to somebody and provide understanding and validation. Validation is really important. The validation that says, yes, you are stressed. Yes, I understand why. Yes, life is hard. That validation that says we all feel this at different times, that normalization is really important. I want you to look at this validation chart. It's just a chart that I developed. It's actually in my book, Communication Connection. But I want you to look at this. So the first square is all, the, all synonyms of the same thing. Issue, content, problem, conflict, need, fear. Everything is just a synonym of the other, okay? And the second box is validation. It has to do with emotions. This is caring, responding, listening, attending, being empathetic, reflecting, having patience and love and understanding. The third one is the solution or the plan of action. It's the goal. It's the, it's the, it's the direction. It's the getting things done. So this is what a lot of times happens. Someone will come to us with a need. And that's the issue. Well, what do we quickly do? We jump to the third box and they go, well, this is what you ought to do. This is the solution. This should be the plan. But they leave going, do you understand? Do you understand that I'm hurting? So sometimes the best way is to go from box number one to box number two and acknowledge that you understand what they're going through. Even if you haven't experienced the same life struggle, you understand because you know life is hard. Validate them. And then, but you don't want to encourage them to stay in box number two. That's not good for them. Encourage them to move to box number three, where you help them move to a place of faith with positive action. And that gives them hope. And that helps them feel cared for, but it also provides a way to move them more towards a faith action so they don't get stuck in their fear. Okay, does that make sense? And I will talk to you about some resources that are good resources that other people can provide. You know, the YouVersion Bible has a lot of devotionals and topics. You can go at the bottom of the homepage and choose lots of things. There are some great ones on anxiety and fearfulness. Share those with someone. Show them on your phone. Do this for seven days or do this for 14 days. They're very, very meaningful. Another good source is Hope for the Heart Ministries with June Hunt. You can go on her website. She has a lot of very, very biblical, very thought, thought out resources on anxiety or struggles. So that's a helpful one. There's also one, a book called by Jenny Allen called uh, Get Out of Your Head. And I forgot to give this to Allie, but anyway, it's called Get Out of Your Head. And it's a good book on anxiety. So that's another good one. Um, Archibald Hart wrote about anxiety cure. It, it has kind of a balance in a secular approach and a biblical approach. Um, it's very good and it's very helpful to a lot of people. 
Um, the book called Running Scared by Ed Welch is also an excellent tool. The book Running Scared is very good for someone who struggles with lots of anxiety on lots of levels. And that's a, that's a real good help in that area. Um, and then I think that's all I listed out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, very good. So I think we're gonna to move to some breakout groups. And what I want you to do in your breakout groups, I want you to choose one of these case studies. And then I want you to dialogue with it. And then uh, Allie's gonna bring us back in, right, Allie? Yes, exactly. So everyone take just a moment to take a look at both of the case studies on your screen. As a group, discuss one of the two's case studies and encourage each other with how you would respond to one of these situations. And we'll meet you back here in four minutes. I thought it was interesting that you kept saying over and over, it is, it's a choice. Like we have to choose, we have to consciously choose to fix our eyes on Christ in faith and what the Bible says. And that is hard. And it starts with taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. That is hard. We have to think about what we think about and we have to choose to think on how we can be thankful, how to rejoice. And yes. it's all in our mind. And that's hard. That's right, Allie. And also it's, um, you know, thoughts drive our emotions and they drive how we face situations and how we make decisions. So yes. it's taking Absolutely. the thoughts captive, not letting them run rampant. Yeah. And that is and very always, hard. Yeah. Always a choice. Always a choice. But powerfully powerfully proven to be true. As we wrap up, Ellen, I know you have a few books that you'd yes. like to share with everyone. I would. Thanks, Sally. This is the book, Marriage Trust Builders. It's showing on the screen. Um, so I deal um, a lot of marriage counseling and uh, have probably seen thousands of couples. In fact, um, I never really had one resource that I could hand a couple when their marriage trust had been disrupted or shaken or even, even totally shattered. I would give them a list of five or six books and say, read this, this, and this. But you know what? There wasn't a resource that could walk them from the time of hurt to the time of restoration. And so I wrote this after really, I worked on this for probably about 10 years because it's a very complete plan. It involves an awareness and when it happens, and it also involves things like confession and what that means, forgiveness, what that means, restoration, what that means. And um, Anytime really sin happens in any relationship, trust is broken or, we, or we're harmed in some way. So we have to take biblical steps to restore that. And this covers that in a really good way. When couples read this, what I hear from them is, this is my life. When I hear from counselors about this book, they say, this is the best resource I've ever worked with on trust. So it's really a good resource, I think. Uh, another one is this communication connection. You know, oftentimes in counseling, the most presenting issue is we need communication help. Usually that's just a symptom, of course, and deeper issues and heart issues, especially just like every, every issue is really. But you know what? This book helps marriages in a real practical way, um, in a very biblical way. Both of these are very biblical and with the case studies that will help you connect, that, that are, will help you really get engaged in the book. But this is to help, especially marriage and family, but it has tools that can help in any meaningful relationship. And I, this is much smaller than the other book. And that's because I wanted people to pick it up and say, I, we can read this this book this week, this weekend, or we can do a devotional on this, or we can do this with our family. So that's the source of this. But anyway, I'm getting very good feedback on both of them. So if anybody's interested, the best way to get them, the, the most economical way to get these books is by calling me or contacting me on my website, because you'll get a larger discount when you do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes on Amazon, it's just not available. They're very available. And I can help you know how to do that. And, and I'll give you a discount. So you can call me or go on my website or my book website as well. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Allie. Thank, Thank you for the privilege and the, just the honor of getting to share tonight. I really appreciate you and all you do and how you've handle this meeting and the opportunity to share. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And I hope all of you were encouraged, inspired, and of course, equipped and enabled to um, address when you notice anxiety in your own life, or if you have a friend, a family member, or you're ministering to someone um, who is struggling with fear and anxiety. I hope that you will remember these things that you learned tonight, whether you took notes or you can watch this video back. Like I said, you'll always have it available at your disposal. So I hope this was an encouragement. So you know how to point people to scripture, point people to Christ. Thank you so 
much, Ellen, for um, joining us this evening. And we're just about out of time now. But um, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to share that we have one more training for this discipleship series. It's actually going to be a mini training, and it's going to be in a couple weeks on Wednesday at noon. So um, I encourage you guys to join us on Facebook Live on the International Commission Facebook page. And um, if you are interested in going on a short-term mission trip with us, we have several opportunities coming up this spring, summer, and fall. So you should see on your screen um, specifically ones that we've noted, but you can head to our website to see any other trips that might be available to you if you're interested in going. But before we wrap up, you've officially been equipped and enabled to be anxious for nothing. So Ellen, could you please close us in prayer this evening? Sure, Ali, I'd love to. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you, Father. That is, we just bow our hearts and our lives before you. We acknowledge that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords and our sovereign Lord and Savior. Dear Lord, we know that you love us with an infinite, endless love. And we know too that Jesus Christ came and died for us to pay the price for our sins. And we are so grateful for that with all of our hearts. Father, help us to live boldly and courageously, trusting in your spirit in us, trusting in your word and the promises you give to us. Father, help us to take our thoughts captive to replace them with thoughts that would be obedient to you and honoring to you. And Father, help us to uh, not to live by fear, but to live by faith and to just commit every single day to trust you more. And Father, help us also as we share with other people and encourage them to walk by faith, not by fear. And Lord, thank you that faith is a choice that we can all make. Uh, we can all live our lives by faith because you have equipped us with your spirit. And Father, we love you. We want to honor you with all of our lives. Thank you for the privilege of being here tonight and just the, the joy of your word and sharing it. Lord, I pray that you will bless Allie and that you will bless each participant who watches this video series. And Lord, I pray that you will help their own heart to be encouraged in their struggles and their fears. And please help them as they share others so that your, your word and your witness can be magnified. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.